Our guest today is a medically retired police officer who was severely injured by a gunshot wound to the head while on duty. Statistically, there was a 90% chance that he would perish from the shooting and the extensive damage to his brain. After extremely skilled surgeons removed parts of his skull, and after he pushed through an excruciating recovery process, including months and months of physical therapy, he is now living a life where he is always looking to find the good in the world, and he looks for joy in other people's lives that he can celebrate with them. He's an aspiring writer and has been published in American Thinker magazine, and his first novel is in the editing phase. He enjoys traveling with his wife, continuing to perfect one-handed firearm operation, enjoying time with friends and fellow officers, and he exemplifies living life with no excuses. If you're a man that controls his own destiny, a man that is always in the pursuit of being better, you are in the right place. You are responsible. You are strong. You are a leader. You are a force for good. Gentlemen, this is the Alpha Quorum. Welcome back to the Alpha Quorum Show. Brad Singletary here. This is going to be exciting right now. I have a guest here today along with uh, my good buddy, Mike Olson. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me again, Brad. It's always great to be in the Alpha Den. That's what this is. <laughs> uh, somebody suggested we call it AQHQ, but anyway... Uh, I like it. It's kind of my, this is kind of also the, uh, the dog house. So when I get in trouble at home, <laughs> this is where I come hang out and people wonder why I have couches here and snacks. It's not that kind of therapy. It's just for me to come sleep here when I'm in trouble <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> and Sounds snacks good. too. So anyway, welcome you guys. Uh, I've been trying to book this guest for a while. He's the husband of a fellow social worker and uh, you're going to be super impressed as you meet Samuel Anthony. Welcome, brother. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. I'm finally great to be here for you. Yeah, so I know something about your story that I want you to tell fully, you know, on your own here with this, with whatever detail is comfortable for you. It's kind of a traumatic incident that you went through. The reason I wanted to have you here is because people go through difficulty and hardship. The thing that you've dealt with has been super extreme. Uh, but you've come out of that with a super positive and healthy, very adaptive, from the best I can tell about you, a very adaptive outlook. And the, the things that you're doing with your life are super impressive. So let's just jump right into it, man. We talked a little bit in the intro about just some bullet points there, but go back to your career as a police officer and talk about how that ended. I was the victim of a... Uh Pretty bad assault. Uh, one night, I ended up with a very serious traumatic brain injury. And my uh, left half of my body has become paralyzed, still is. Almost ended my life. So things just kind of went from there. Were you on duty? Sam? Yes, I was on you duty. You were on duty, okay. Yeah. On duty, there was stuff going down. How, how long ago was this? Uh, 13 years ago. So 13 years ago on duty and pick it up from there. Like how it, what happened? Bam, assaulted. That's it. I'm, I'm down for the count. My brothers and sisters came rallying to scoop me up, got me off to uh, 
to the nearest hospital, and thankfully the doctors were there, saved my life. Brothers and sisters, their quick actions kept me alive. Doctors who were there did their thing. I'm I'm still breathing. It's it's been a one blessing after another for me. So so you said assaulted. Yes. <laughs> what was the uh, nature of that? It's a gunshot wound. Gunshot wound to your head. To my head, yes. And here you stand today, handsome as hell. Well, your, I don't know. I do have a face for a in podcast. Your, in, so. your, <laughs> in, your, in your Hawaii uh, shirt, you guys look like you're going on vacation today. Uh, so here you are. This is how many years ago? 13. 13 years ago, you were shot in the head on duty as a law enforcement officer. Yes. And so... Yeah, so you you have some memory of this event. You, I guess you remember to some degree. Did it? Did your memory stop at some point through that? Memory's a funny thing the way it happens. I remember bits and pieces of certain things accurately, and bits and pieces not very accurately. And a lot, lot of a lot of that memories are gone. The brain does a. Um, does protect itself when you're involved in something like that. So a lot of it is, is gone. Mm -hmm. Is it Sam, if I can ask you when you do have those thoughts or when you get in situations like you are today with us, is it uncomfortable for you to talk about details or do you just feel the details aren't necessary or do you not remember the details? Most of it is. I don't, I don't remember a lot of the details. Okay. All right. So except for the time that you, you know, when you were just, going through the medical treatments and all that, you remember life before you were, you know, you've oh, everything maintained pretty good yeah, memory, but just yeah. like you got a bullet in your brain and that's affected quite a bit of, of your memory of the event itself. I'm sure. Absolutely. So was this like a, you know, bank robbery? Like what, what, I don't, I don't know if you can talk about, you know, just the nature of how did you get a bullet in your head? It's was uh, ambushed by a, uh, by a dope dealer. Okay. And so you're out there patrolling. Were you alone, or I was? I was going to back up another officer. Okay. And then, bam! And you just hit the ground. You remember being in the back of a car, being transported. I do remember uh, being the transport up to the hospital. So, what was the length from from that night until you were kind of living independently as you are now? What was the length of time of just hospital and treatment and rehabs and those kinds of things? Hospital was about three months worth of uh, being in the hospital, all intensive uh, rehab every day, seven days a week. Didn't matter. I was I had to had to get after it, and then after that, I was in outpatient uh, rehab for physical, well, physical stuff for a few years after that. Mm -hmm. So it's it's it took some time to get to where I was because when I uh, came out of my uh, sedation, I was medically sedated for for quite a few days and I ended up having uh, the right portion of my skull removed to allow for the brain swelling. And I had had that out for a while. And then months later, they, uh, the doctors went in and put a, uh, it's called a cap, but it's just basically a plate that to replace that part of my skull that was missing. So there was like swelling of your brain. So they right. had to like, to ease that pressure, cut a cut a hole in their skull to yeah. allow some. Yeah, you know. half half the skulls was gone. They just pulled it right out, and that was it. Wow! And not to get too uh, too too graphic. Too graphic whatever. with <laughs> yeah. 
Sam, I have a question for you. I have seen the TV shows with uh, police when they have an incident that is kind of emotionally traumatic. They have an entire side of the police force that is basically there to help in the, the emotional recovery for a police officer. Did you go through that? Tell you the the entire department. That's uh that's who really shows up and surrounds you. And uh, the community was was very um, very active too with coming together for me as well. So I had a lot of a lot of support, a tremendous amount of support. And about how long did that intense support last? And and maybe to some degree it still is there. But how long did it basically last until your support system figured? Oh, okay. He's kind of on his own. Is there, do they watch and see how you do, or is there a specific time amount and then you just have to fit it in? How does that work? No, everyone's still, even, even to this day, people will still, Hey, you know, you need anything. What's, you know, what's going on? You got uh-huh. something going on, you need help around the house or, or whatever. They'll, they'll come by and, and do whatever for me that they look at. I'm still well look, looked after. Uh, got it. Okay. So, um, you, you did mention that this particular incident happened out of state, but yet you still have people that keep track of you while you're here. Absolutely. Wow. That's great. That's been one of the impressive things that I've known about you is just your connection to friends and loved ones. I mean, it seems like you've always got visitors coming. There's you're going out of town or there's like you have a, a local little brotherhood here. And I guess when you're law enforcement, <laughs> you got respect a- anywhere you go, oh, any town, you, oh, even if any, you any, anywhere you. you go. Yeah. Even if you don't know, know the individuals, it's wherever you go. And it's sad and unfortunate to say, but I've, I've been to enough uh, funerals of officers who were killed on duty and the showing of support from people who come in from all around the country is just unbelievable. So you mentioned your brothers and sisters. You're you're talking about the female the officers, and male yes. officers. Okay, Correct. understood. Your and, and again, I, I I don't know much about you. You mentioned um, your wife, or maybe Brad mentioned wife. You're you're currently married, correct? Yes, I am. Yep. And were you married before this particular incident thirteen years ago? No, my wife and I married after the uh, the shooting. Got it. Okay. And how, so how long have you been married? If you, if I can ask. Been married seven years, these seven years, this, this, uh, this fall. Got it. Yeah. Okay. We, we've been together 10 years as a together total this year. Oh, okay. So she's seen a lot of this from when this happened just 13 years ago, been together 10. So she She's, saw you after you were healed and kind of out and walking. Yeah. We, uh, we worked together prior to the, prior to my shooting. Mm-hmm. My wife was also a, uh, retired uh, probation officer. Don't they say uh, no fishing off the company pier? <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't start seeing each other until well after the uh, the shooting. So uh, Okay. Yeah. He wasn't fishing till later. <laughs> yeah, I went fishing later. <laughs> so you, now I, I know that you're on a, like a medical retirement right now, but you worked for some time after this, right? You went back to, you went back to work as an officer. I did, yes. Talk about that a little bit, because that's, I mean... It was a great, great motivation for me to get back to, to work. And I, it was a um, very rewarding experience. Got to meet a lot of, a lot of people that I otherwise probably wouldn't have met throughout my career. I had a desk job after, uh, after that for a while and met some great, 
great, great people. I was doing background investigations for new hires. Got to meet a lot of new officers, young, young kids coming on that are just doing amazing work today. I have another question for you regarding your time, almost right around your this specific incident. When, when you were in sedation, kind of coming out of sedation, when you were in that particular moment, I've heard quite a few different people. They might have either some deep emotional experiences, some deep spiritual experiences, or maybe even something similar to uh, what do I, uh, near death experiences. Did you, by chance ever have anything like that? I had a uh, very distinct out-of-body experience on the way to the hospital. Wow. Tell, can you tell I, us about uh, that? Yeah, I, uh, I remember uh, one of the officers who was uh, in the back seat with me on the way. We were in, the, in a patrol car on the way to the hospital. And I remember her specifically saying, God, Sam, Sam's been shot. And I looked up through the... Uh, through the cage in the uh, back of the patrol car, and I saw my eyes in the uh, in the rearview mirror of the car, and I thought to myself, well, "I'm not feeling anything. Where's where's the pain?" And I just remember searching my body for the pain and fighting the urge to pass out. And that mirror started shaking, and my eyes started to get blurry in the uh, in the mirror. And at some point, I just said, "Well, if I've been shot, who's going to give me a hard time for passing out?" And I just couldn't fight that any longer and I just let it go and everything went black and I later talked to that officer and she said that I was laying down the entire time on the ride to the hospital so I was never sitting up and I did not did not see wasn't have didn't happen as it as I uh as I experienced it you think you're having this dialogue having, with yourself in the mirror but you're yeah, laying down flat I'm, I was down flat yeah and there was another uh, officer who was in the car who who I didn't I didn't realize at the time so uh, upon the shooting, they put you in the back of a patrol car, and that—that's how you got to the that's hospital. That's how I got to the hospital. Yeah, couldn't couldn't wait for the ambulance. But your out of body experience gave you this feeling that you were sitting up, looking at the at the rear view mirror, and what you just described was taking place. Right. Interesting. Holy smokes, that's that's so awesome. What do you make of that? What is your, you know, I mean, I guess from my sort of thoughts of spirituality and such things i would say you you know your your soul is maybe leaving your body momentarily there yeah, or something but it was your, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't done yet i wasn't i wasn't done fighting is what the way i took i took it i needed to i needed to continue to fight to stay alive but you almost like received permission from yourself to say okay yes this is where i'm at but i'm going to rest a little while and that's when you blacked out that's when i said okay i'm going to just take it easy for for a minute here and things kind of <laughs> kind of went went dark on me that's wild that is so wild and you're you must have had some real respect i mean you're you're you got some gangster status you know you're i guess that i, I shouldn't call it cop <laughs> yeah, gangster yeah, gangster but, yeah but that's i mean the wrong you know <laughs> you're you're you have this like gladiator status we'll say because you're this you know warrior who's out there and you've got the story and they're like, man, this dude got shot in the freaking head. And here he is filling out my paperwork and teaching a class in the, in the Academy or whatever. We talk about that. And then you obviously today are what Brad has described and what's very clear to me, the type of individual that is not too worried about your circumstances, the incident, the results of that. Tell us about your low time. However, 
low time. I remember uh, sitting, I was in, in the hospital room. I had been uh, transferred from the first hospital to another one for, for recovery. And I was just, the weight of everything was just starting to come down on me. And I realized that, uh, Jesus, is it? What am I, you know, what am I going to do with myself? I'm, you know, I'm disabled now for life. And I'm just, I just kind of hit a low point and it just, everything was really feeling everything. And I had my, uh, my class counselor who runs the, uh, my, my recruit class when I was in the academy and she was up there, you know, she told me, she said, Hey, you know, it's all right. And she's like, you know, everything's going to be okay. And I said, yeah, you know, last week things were, were different. Now it's, I just couldn't believe it. And I just, from there, I just had to, had to just move on from there. I realized you just got to keep moving forward. It doesn't sound like it took you that long to go from what the hell am I going to do to let's move forward. How long did that take? It's that, that that's kind of a tough question for me to look back on. It's, it's been so long ago, It just in my mind seems like one seamless transition. Uh, I had, I had some, uh, had some goals. I had to uh, start. I had to learn how to stand again. I couldn't, couldn't stand. So that was, step one with my my recovery and did you set those goals did you know you needed to set those goals or is that a help from your system your your, your- uh, that was a help from the uh from the pt the uh, physical therapies okay physical therapists okay so clearly they'd been through things where if you're in a low point you need to have goals to move out of it okay that's cool right yeah but uh you know it's kind of the the odd man in the uh wing in the recovery wing where i was because everyone else that was there was there for um, traumatic brain injuries due to car accidents. So it's kind of the, the oddball, the group. This is, you know, not something that, that they experienced or they've dealt with very much. Okay. Interesting. Thank you. So in that low period, I'm wondering if you ever got like suicidal or just felt like, what is the point? Like, look at me, what a mess. And um, did it ever get to that kind of low? No, I had, I had people in my room 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I always had someone there to, to talk to or to someone to, to, to motivate me. So just hanging out, just, just hanging out. Yeah. Pre- presence yeah. brings energy to you. Yeah, I, and had, uh, I had family members. I had other officers who would, who would be assigned to my room for the, uh, for the shift. Just, you know, if I needed anything, they were, they were around. So they, they had an officer hanging out with you 24 seven as yeah, they, for they, sure, they would, to know for sure, you got if you need water, they're gonna bring it or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. Wow, that's that's an impressive like organizational thing that they did for you. Oh, it was it was wonderful. Of course, I I did get uh, one of them in trouble one night because I was I was I wasn't supposed to be uh, drinking uh, any liquids yet at the at the time, and I told him, "Go, hey man, I'm thirsty. You want to hand me that bottle of Gatorade over there?" And he's like, "Okay, sure." Not realizing, <laughs> so I kind of duped him and. <laughs> What ha- what happened because of the drinking of the liquid? Uh, nothing. I was fine. Ah. <laughs> but he I'm broke. I was supposed to breathe, and he, he broke the yeah the rule that they. So I said, "Don't worry about it. I won't tell anyone." So, <laughs> got it. Were you aware of like how? I guess I'm curious about what you thought was going to be happening with your body versus what it is now, because maybe you're talking about having to learn how to walk again. Is this? Are we? Are you way beyond what you thought you were going to be able to do ability wise? I thought I was going to go right back to 100% the way I was before, but now you know, I'm walking around with a John Wayne limp, you know, doing my best John Wayne impression when I walk. And 
it is what it is. So I get from point A to point B may not be pretty, but I get there. So Sam, let me ask you, I know a lot of times when people are at their low point or they have a a situation like this, it requires all the resolve they have, all the resolve they've ever learned about in the past. From a religious standpoint, do you have a religious belief that you lean on? Or if you don't mind me asking, how, how do you kind of, other than your support system of your brothers, sisters, and that group, do you have something that you've leaned on that you've looked to? Absolutely. God definitely factors in quite a bit with uh, my recovery. I've, you know, I spent many, many nights in the hospital praying for, for as much healing as, as uh, the good Lord would, would give me. Okay. And I, I very much remember my dad being up at the hospital was also uh, retired, a law enforcement officer standing by the side. And I said, dad, I said, pray with me. And we, we prayed together and that was uh, really comforting for me. Comforting. It must have been a cool experience there with your dad and just yeah. praying together. And I don't know if that happened a lot for you, but absolutely, it seems yeah. like that would be special in a time of need that you're doing that together. Yeah, yeah. prayer and uh, lots of humor, lots of good humor. Got me through it. I'll tell you a quick story about my dad. You know, he's yeah. uh, old, tough, old school type of guy. He uh, came out of the uh, out of the sedation and he looked at me and he goes, well, son, he goes, it's a good thing you didn't get hit in the rear end. Cause then you really have some brain problems. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like old school Italian, yeah. old school Italian. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Your, your, where, where's your family heritage from? From uh, the New Italy. York area, Italy, Italy, central Italy. Yeah. Okay. You worked for how long? When when did you go from working some to not working? I was uh, I'm trying to think. It's, it was uh, went back probably back about five, maybe six years. Uh, in the uh, the desk job, and then my body just just gave out, and I said, mm-hmm. "I gotta, yeah." Well, the reason I'm asking is because a lot of men that I work with who I may send to this show, you know, are dealing with disability or something where they're unable to work. And, you know, some of these guys are, they're, you know, home with the kids. They're kind of the housewife almost because they're home and their, their spouse has to go work. And that's really, that took a toll on their like identity and feelings of self-confidence when it's like, Hey, I'm not even working anymore. That's maybe one of men's primary purpose is to be a provider. And now I'm not, did that mess with you at all? Did you have any self-hate about any of that stuff no i mean i I missed being being on the street and being out there taking calls for service but you know sometimes you you just things open up and it's um you know kind of give a new reality and you find other things to do i focused on uh working uh in the in the backgrounds unit and uh doing training i was instructing out at the academy for a while and i went back to school i got my master's i had a lot uh Lot, lot of stuff going on. Didn't have too much time to, to sit there and feel sorry for myself. What did you get your master's in? Criminal justice administration. Okay, that's awesome. I think that's that's. I I hear that often when people have situations. Staying busy with something positive seems to be extremely helpful. Absolutely is. You know, I was looking for. You know, I look forward to getting back out and uh, instructing with uh, with the new new recruits. And hopefully, giving them some uh, some tips on how to deal with critical incidents like such as mine, and what to do because officers are always running into situations where it's 
stressful and it's almost like it's an overload on your brain, whether it you know, be a you know, car accident with multiple injuries or you know, something with a you know, with a child injured, you know, you have to find a way to uh, keep yourself healthy with all all the things that you see throughout the course of your day. So I was focused on trying to get the, the kids, you know, the, the new the new the kids, they're they're adults, the new uh new officers right you know tips to uh tips to keep themselves healthy and uh keep going get what are what are like the top three tips that you would probably help these particular officers or maybe anyone who who has to deal with stress high level stress on a day to day basis what are some of the things that you would give them I'd tell them that you know following a you know critical incident and say you need, you know of an officer involved shooting or you're you're one of those scenes, like I said, you know, child injured, and you've got kids at home or nieces or nephews, and it really hits you hard. You need to uh, make sure you get home and get some sleep that night. And you know, I talk to the to the sergeants a lot and the other bosses, and I'd say, hey, listen, you know, guys, if you, somebody runs into this and you know they're going to be struggling with that, you know, don't be afraid to say, hey, you know, head home for the night, go go be with your kids, or the rest of the shift, go go spend some time with your kids, get some sleep got to eat healthy food. You know, there's always a temptation. Well, let me just stop over here at the, uh, you know, the, the quick fast food joint and grab a burger or whatever. You got to eat healthy, fuel your body, drink lots of water, stay away from the alcohol and the caffeine because that's going to impact your, your sleep. So you basically need to unplug and let your body help do its thing. Absolutely. Interesting. And the number one thing that I would tell them is don't be afraid to go seek help and go talk to someone because that's, uh, you know, it's kind of the, the macho thing. Oh, I don't, I don't need to talk to anyone. I'm, I'm fine. I, I can handle it. It's, it's, there's, there's no shame in going and seeking help if you're, you're struggling mentally with things. Was that, I mean, I, obviously I guess you're a believer. Is that something that helped you throughout all this? Ab- absolutely. It is something that that's helped me. I've, I've been going for, for many years now talking with, with people because it's the residual effects. They're still lingering. I find myself being very, very on edge at, at times for, for no apparent reason. And you know, I'll go regularly for individual therapy and group therapy. And it's, it's a, it's a big help. Are you self-aware when you need those times or are you like Brad and I who have built in wife monitoring systems who tell us, go get your crap together. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty much self-aware. I'll, I'll tell my wife, Hey, you know, I'm having a, a rough time tonight or, you know, right now I'm kind of struggling a little bit and she, you know, sometimes most of the time she can pick up on it, but I'll, I'll verbalize it to her. And that's awesome. Some days I'll just say, Hey, you know what? It's just kind of a rough day. I'm going to head upstairs and I'm going to go read or whatever and just kind of unplug. I'm not trying to avoid you. I just, just need some alone time and just kind of have you have you always been like that, or has your training in the police force helped you? Because what you just mentioned there, that is huge. If if men could realize and self monitor and say, "Hey, uh, I'm not at my best, hon. It's not you. It's me. Give me just a little bit of time. I'll be good." And then go do what you need to. How have you always been that way, or has the training helped? I think. To some some extent, yeah, I, I do tend to uh, tend to withdraw a little bit when I'm when I feel like I'm struggling and just kind of go off on my own. But the training has has helped me, and you know, unfortunately, seeing too many other officers, you know, dealing with stuff like that, and then making you know, going doing the wrong things to try to cope with with that, you know, has has helped me you know evolve to the point where I can just verbalize it. Got it. Okay, that's cool. 
Yeah, just to be aware of it, though, I call it reading the gauges just to know where you're at. I think most men and myself included, I, I, I'll just go off and I think, well, whatever's happening is making me upset. You people, this out here is what's got me upset. I don't realize that I walked in the door upset or anxious or angry. And so if you can feel it and, you know, send a warning. <laughs> like that's, that's something you mentioned, Brad, that I've never thought of it that way before reading your own gauges. And I think a lot of times men, people in general might not only not read their own gauges, they might not even think they have gauges and they might not even have something that they need to check that they need to monitor to see, wait a second, where am I? I have a neat little thing that I've just started doing in the last probably couple of weeks with some of my clients. It's, it's fun to do. I'll ask them without looking guess how much battery you have on your phone. And almost always people are very, very close to how much battery they have on their phone. And it's really cool to see a husband and wife maybe here do that together. And I relate that to how do you know that? It's because you, you have this running clock, you have this running, you know, how long it stays alive. You know how much you're on it. Always paying you know attention how, to you know, it. You're always paying attention to it. And you kind of just, you know, Oh, battery's getting low and you don't have to look and, and know that. But, and sometimes you can be caught off guard, but if we could just tune into our feelings, that's, I, I am, I agree with Mike, what you said about, I recognize I'm not in the best state and it, it's probably best to have a little distance, man, think of how many guys wouldn't be in jail if they could, if they could just know and take responsibility for what they're feeling and not harm anyone with it. I would have cut down on a lot of my calls for service. I'll tell you what. Yeah, <laughs> what some I, DV stuff. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. Is is domestic disputes a huge amount of what police officers get called out for? Get a lot, a lot of those calls. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. You know, you see sometimes yeah, it's family troubles. Other times it's you know mental health stuff or you know car accidents or. You never know what you're what you're gonna what you're getting for uh, for your day once you walk out the door and step into the uniform. That's very interesting. I I remember Brad that you had a another guest that mentioned in his profession high stress. It was a very similar situation where he had to learn to come in after you know a long shift or a couple long shifts, unplug, decompress, whatever it might be. And before he came back into, you know, his home life situation, because the emotions and the situations were, you know, drastically different, but he still had a responsibility at home and had a responsibility at work and learning how to switch those hats took some practice. Yeah, I can imagine that it was another first responder also. And he talked about, you know, going out to pet the horse or just uh, clearing his clearing the cash, you know, almost like clearing out his emotional leftover or whatever. And, uh, before he, before going home. So I'm curious about how do you not hate people? I'm curious your feelings about, uh, firearms. I'm curious if this was, you know, any sort of, I don't know, gang or does this, is there any race element to this? And does this affect your feelings about that race? Um, sorry, I didn't warn you on any of those questions. No, but. none, none, none so ever. My, you know, as far as, you know, do I hate people? Not at all. I, you know, routinely, you know, talk to recruit classes and I tell them, Hey, you know, no matter, you know, what 
call you you had to just keep in mind that whatever is going on whoever called for you to be there you got a complete stranger invite you got someone who's inviting a complete stranger into their home this is you know the biggest thing that's going on in their lives that they called you to come help them out so you gotta gotta keep your head and you can't look at it as oh you know this is stupid it's silly to them it's not it's you know, whatever's going on is the biggest thing they've got going on in their world right now so you've got to put your feelings aside and just you're there you're there to help people i get the sense sam that when you first even thought about getting into the police force or before you got to the the academy since your father was also in in that line of work getting shot not coming home from a shift had probably passed through your head many times prior to you even joining the force. I honestly thought it would go one of two ways. I'd get hit in the body armor and I'd be fine, or I'd get hit in the uh, in the head and that that'd be the end of it. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't see the see the next morning, but I managed to hit the jackpot and stay alive. So, and so pri- prior to prior to this dying in the line of work. Tell me your thoughts about you and knowing that that could be a possibility. How did you, how did you approach that thought process? Try try not to think about it. You know, if, if it did, did cross my head, it was, it was just, all right, let's what What can I do coming up to this call that, that, you know, I got a feeling about that could, could go sideways. What can I do? What steps can I take to uh, keep myself and everybody else uh, that's going to be there safe? And then just let the chips fall where they may. And whatever, whatever happens, happens. That's it. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a very, it's a very healthy approach to life. It definitely keeps fear and paranoia from ruling your life. I would think. Absolutely. I used to say to myself, prepare for the worst, hope for the best and accept anything better. You're making me think of one of our red nine principles, which is responsibility. And it's a bunch of these really seem to hit what I think I'm admiring you and and why you're here. Number one is you don't see yourself as a victim, you know, absolutely I mean, you, not you, a victim, you, but you, I mean, you're a victim of a crime. A, I mean, this could have been a, this could have been a murder for that guy. I don't know if it was an attempted, I mean, he got his, I'm sure. Yes. Well, he was charged with attempted murder, but you are not, bitter no i've got so many good things in my life it's kind of a odd uh, odd uh, situation where you know some great things came about with this for me i've got a great group of friends that i've that i've met and become close to my wife and i are together now because of this it's just we're talking about being a victim and he rattles off the list of blessings. <laughs> that's how you do. That's how you do grown ass man. Responsibility is when you have a chance to be seeing yourself and you, when you truly are, I, I mean, half of our victimhood is we got our feelings hurt. We think we're a victim. This is literally, I mean, this, this is a serious, serious situation that you survived and you're kind of walking around with this pleasant, this pleasant mood, not seeing yourself as a victim. Um, some of those other principles are that you're reliable. You know, you kind of do what you say. You're trying to show back up to work. You know, you're working through all this PT and stuff so you could get back to, and you go straight, but you start, even if it was a new assignment, you, you're reliable 
maybe you're you 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 have always had to have good boundaries, but the last two have to do with um accepting the things you cannot change and changing the things you can. Absolutely. This is a lot of acceptance on your part. And a lot of that and while he's saying changing what I can, I'm gonna go back to you you asked me earlier what are my thoughts on uh firearms and I'm a I'm a gun guy. I enjoy shooting. I I do it regularly. And once I went back to work, I said, "Hey, I want I want my gun back." And I had to go out to the range and learn to qualify one-handed. And I'd shoot the exact same course that every other officer shot. I didn't have anything deviated or altered to accommodate me. I shot the regular course and I qualified every every uh, time I was supposed to, like uh, like everyone else. What about reloading? And you know, you're just doing all this one-handed and. I have systems to do it one-handed. Dude, I love it. So I was out of the range this morning practicing uh, one-handed reloads and, and shooting. This dude's like Ronald Reagan. He literally got shot, and he still is an advocate for, for guns. <laughs> you know, I, that made me think as well, because I think I think people that are, are let's call it gun lovers or gun, gun advocates, right? Is that the proper word? Yeah, I'm a, you know, it's a, I look at it as a, you know, God-given right, you know, the U.S. Constitution, you know, was there to protect our God-given rights and from being taken from us, not to give us anything. It's protect what we're already entitled to. But you also aren't a a prepper. You don't also appear to be somebody who, you know, might have, you know, six M16s behind, you know, each door in the house. You believe in what you believe in and... Tell, tell me what you, which your viewpoint is that might be controversial. Maybe it's not on people who are every time an incident. And we've just had some recently in our society where gun issues happen, mass people die. And now people are saying we need gun control. Do you mind me asking your opinion on, on gun control? I think a lot of these incidents have to do with uh, mental health issues and, people not receiving and not recognizing that they need, you know, mental health. There's a lot of been a push lately or actually over quite a few years now where there's, you know, the closing of mental hospitals and, you know, pulling back of resources for people with mental health issues. Okay. So I, Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more of one that, you know, let the individual should lay the responsibility on the individual that's, that's uh, doing, you know, whatever is being done and not the object. We don't blame Ford for, uh, for car accidents or Jack Daniels for drunk driving. So why, why, you know, blame, blame these on the, on the object, you know, on firearms, I guess would be, would be my argument to that. I see. I mean, I, I feel the same way. I, I, I guess I understand why some people don't feel that way. Um, like you mentioned, you, you don't blame Ford, but yet we have to register a car. You, the responsibility part. And so I, that sounds to me like, you know, most people are in favor of, resp- you know, being responsible. And I'm certainly not a professional on, you know, the legalities or how that should be, but anything that promotes responsibility, but still gives people their rights. I kind of like that. And, you know, I understand that, you know, a lot of people that, that aren't uh, raised or aren't around firearms a lot it's you know when you first get around them yeah it could be intimidating it could be something scary but 
same same thing with like i said you know driving the first time you got behind the wheel of a car was a little uh, nerve-wracking you know think back to when you're 16 but the same as driving a car the more experience you have with it and the more you practice at it the more comfortable you'll feel so if you you know worried about firearms you start you know getting it and learn how to how to handle them responsibly you know firing them you will you feel more comfortable around them so regarding your incident and your particular issue that we're kind of focusing on this evening uh again it sounds like you were already well aware of what could have happened the potential accepted that and you just live your life in in spite of those things that did happen to you absolutely there's only it's only one way life can be lived and that's by going forward and that was a lot of my that was a lot of in my head quite a bit and part of my drive is my recovery is just have to keep moving forward moving forward so there were lots of things that you've had to accept you've had to accept an injury you've had to accept a loss of your career that you seem to love and be made for your second at least generation police officer in your family and that's you're accepting uh you know physical disability i guess we would say you're accepting so many things that will never be the same. None of it's fair. You didn't deserve it. Uh, fair is what you pay to ride the bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just had that argument at the house today. <laughs> That's not fair. I said, wait a second. Is that not nice? Is that not kind? Or is that not accurate? What's your definition of fair, honey? Well, it, damn it. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, you know, I've I've learned to to do with one hand what what most people do with with two, and the things that I can't do, I have to uh, learn to ask for help, and that's you know, it's not not a blow to my ego anymore. It's just it is what it is, and that's that's how I'm gonna have to I live life now. You said what, anymore. What do you mean by that? Well, let's say you know, tie, tying your shoes, that that type of thing. If my shoelace comes untied, I'm gonna have to ask for for help or, you know, things that I used to be able to do prior when I had two, two hands. I thought he was saying it used to be hurt your ego or, yeah. you know, it would, it was maybe emasculating or something to have one hand, but you're saying not anymore. Or does it affect your ego? I just, it's just something that's become normal to me. But see that. And maybe that's a process. Maybe that's what you do in 13 years, but I think I would be pissed. I, I don't know that I could, that's why I'm so impressed by you, man, is like, you're just kind of going along and it, and it is what it is. I remember the first time I ever heard anybody say that little saying, it is what it is. I thought you're so stupid. What are you, t of course it is what it is. That means nothing. You're an idiot, you know, and uh, <laughs> I have been cursed by that now because I had to learn it, how to be that no, way. There's, there's some things that are just beyond our control and you accept those and what you can do, you can do and what you can't, you can't. That's the way I look at life. You know, it, it's similar because I noticed that right away in you. As soon as I met you, I noticed those things because you may not have noticed it with me. And Brad knows, obviously, he's known me a long time. I was born with just two fingers on my left hand. And so when someone is slightly different, I notice it because it's kind of how I was. And I remember when I first met Brad and I was uh, sharing Christian beliefs door to door, it took me a while before I realized I would knock on someone's door <laughs> and I would have to learn to hide my hand, not because I was embarrassed, 
<laughs> because if someone would notice it, they wouldn't hear a word I said until they got to know me. They're like, what in the crap is on the end of your hand? <laughs> and so you, you notice that, but I quickly learned once I got through that, then I, I made sure that I had it out, made sure that I waved it around, talked with my hands normally so that other people would know I was comfortable being different and that I got that feeling from you too. Yeah, I'm a little different. My left side doesn't work that well uh, and it's okay. I'm, I'm loving, I love life. I can, you know, I, there's only so much to, uh, so much left to, uh, to experience here for me. I got a lot to do, so I'm just out there every day living it. Bottle that up, sell that. Whatever, yeah, whatever however you do that. See, <laughs> I think, I think that, I think it's resilience after a terrible thing, but I think there's some gift in that for you. You've got some talent somehow you have, and I'm sure you've done work too. Right. You know, you had to, push through some of that, some of you know, negative belief at some point, but a lot of, a lot of physical pain. Yeah. But you know, the physical pain's easy to deal with. That's, still you have physical pain. Oh, I'm still every day. I'm, you know, aching. I, snap crackle pop used to be what I heard, heard from my cereal. Now it's what I hear from my body. <laughs> All other parts of your body or like in your head and your neck? Oh, joints, knees. Got it. Yeah. So some of that traumatic injury you think is like manifested itself in other parts of your body? Oh, absolutely. Cause I'm, I don't walk normally. My gait is different. Oh, so I yes. have to compensate. I know what you're talking about because, because of the ineffectiveness of one part of your body, the other parts have to work a little harder. They're therefore harder. are wearing yeah. out a little faster. I, I got, you got it. like 70 year old, uh, right knee and joints. Yeah. <laughs> got it. It's holding, can, on. It's holding you up. I'll let you know when it's going to rain. <laughs> Oh yeah. I, uh huh. So when yeah. it comes to being out in public, um, Mike was talking about being out in public. Is, is that not, you, you know, you go into a restaurant or someone tries to hand you something with you, your left hand. I mean, is there any embarrassment or shame about any of that? I'm just very upfront with people. Hey, I'm one handed. That's, you know, I'm not giving you a hard time here. It's just, and most people are like, Oh, I didn't even notice. Okay. Well, I like that too because you're just just putting it out there. You're yeah. like, hey, I'm you know I'm not trying to don't try to hand my hand my Pepsi to me in my left hand, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I would love to hold your baby, but I only got one hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I can do that because my wife and I just uh, just had our first grandchild. That's right, so grandbaby. I, I hold hold him one handed all the time. Congratulations, yes, thank you. So, are all your boys busting your chops about being an old grandpa now? Absolutely, there. <laughs> that's required of a that's good the Italian way. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's how I got. I got enough gray hair. I qualify. I don't. So you great. you do a lot of. We talked about this earlier. You do things with people. Why? Why do you? Isn't it a hassle to host people who are visiting and to you know show up at the dinner party and do the things that you do why do you do that uh, it's, it's it's wonderful to to see people we've got a lot of great friends it's great to sit laugh get your mind off of things you know, focus on some other joys that other people have going on in their lives and tell me a little bit about that focus on the joy in other people's lives oh absolutely you know, i've got we have some friends that uh get to get together with for dinner regularly and we'll We'll sit, talk, laugh, joke around, and there he's always having a good time. His his daughter just just got married, and you know, oh, that's great. You know, how how's she doing? You know, her and her husband, their their house. You know, that's it's all exciting stuff. Have you always been that way? 
I, I, I enjoy uh, having a good time with people. I think that is so important when you, for me, I, I just enjoy it. It's why I like Las Vegas. I've never seen such a small town, call it a couple million people, that has kosher aisles in the grocery store mm-hmm. that will have the ethnic depth that we have in such a small place. But, you know, I guess it, after living here for almost 30 years, I just understand how how many different varieties of people are here and, and how enjoyable it is. I remember um, <laughs> the first time I, you know, for, for us as Western American white people, you go to meet a little kid or somebody's grandson or pat him on the head. And that's kind of a form of endearment. You cannot insult a Japanese family anymore than patting their kid on the head. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh-uh, didn't, I, I didn't either until I insulted this Japanese family unknowingly. Oh, oh, oh. But learning about their culture and learning about Italians and learning about what other people, that's, that's why I personally enjoy it. I get that feeling from you too, Sam. I, I, I get that feeling of, you're new? You're this way? Cool. Let me ask you a few questions. Is that kind of, it, it sounds like probably that's how you're, I know that's how Italian families have been, and especially they, they just love people. Oh, absolutely. We, um, you know, wife and I just joined the uh, the Italian American Club here in town, yeah. and we go, oh, yeah, we we go up there and have dinner, and we've got some other friends that we'll go out to dinner there with, and we have a good time. My wife's always making friends. You know, people sitting at the next table over. We were just out to dinner the other night, and uh, we were sitting talking about sports, and one of the girls was like, "Oh, yeah, the, you're a fan of that team too." Oh, yeah, yeah I'm, you know. From near that area nearby. Oh, all right, hey. How's it going? And the girl she's sitting with goes, oh, hey, do you know so-and-so? Like, yeah, how do you know her? She's like, oh, I, we work with her. I'm like, oh, my goodness, she's been a friend for, for years. Is your wife Italian? Yes, she is. Uh, yep. So you guys all hate Boston, don't you? I'm actually a Red Sox fan. Shh, don't say that around <laughs> New York people. That's cool. Yeah. All right. I get, I get grief from that from the guys that did work, too, so... <laughs> That's the one thing I did know. Generally, you're supposed to hate Boston if you're from New York. Unless you're from Boston and moved to to New York, now you're best buddies. Is that kind of right? It's I've I've been to uh, to both cities for for ball games and it's a it's a great friendly rivalry from the fans that I've right. I've seen. That's cool. What would you say, Sam, has been the the hardest part of this whole recovery since this thing you've been through and then what has been the gift in it all, the, the hardest and then the best. Well, the hardest was definitely the uh, the physicality of getting back back on my feet, literally being able to stand again and then taking those first few steps. It was excruciatingly painful, but I got I got through it. And every I remember the, the first day I got so I was at one hospital for for a few months and then transferred to another hospital for uh, for my recovery. And that first day there, they brought me over and down to the uh, physical therapy uh, area. And uh, you got to stand up I'm like, my legs don't work. I was in, you know, in a wheelchair and they put me in this contraption that kind of, you know, hoisted me up and I was standing on my own feet and they wheeled a basketball hoop in front of me and they go, oh, you know, shoot baskets. And I hadn't lost my touch. I was laying bricks like a, like a master mason. So. I haven't lost my touch. He said laying bricks like a master mason. <laughs> And my my dad was standing there, and he goes, "Come on, 
It's like if you're gonna do, you know, do something, make, you know, start making these uh, these shots here. He goes, well, I see, I haven't lost your touch. I go, no. I <laughs> so the physical therapist says, no, that's you know, that's not really the uh, the whole point of the exercise, just to keep him occupied while he's standing. And my dad's like, yeah, listen, he gave him something to do. He better do it right. So <laughs> I just keep thinking back to the whole concept that you had such a deep and lengthy support system, and you know the Alpha Quorum. Brad is kind of all about that. How do how do we support one another? How do we how do we help one another? What does that look like? What does that mean to every individual? How do we get better at you know? Sam obviously is a pro at asking for the help. It's it's easy for him to do. Um, and real quick, one of the reasons it's easy is because people have come through for you. That's a safe thing to do because you had a bunch of dudes show up. And they, you could rely on them. And so that's, I'm sure that's part of what helped you, you know, help that be easy for you. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it was every day people were up at the hospital and, you know, initially guys have told me they, you know, afterwards they'd say, you know, we'd come up to the hospital, we're, you know, breaking down, you know, when we first got the news because people thought I was dead. They had heard stories that they go, oh, they got the news. That's it. Now he's not, he didn't make it. That's it. And I was still in still in surgery and they'd come up and they'd see my my parents and my mother and they're like oh i'm so sorry it's like no don't worry he's gonna be fine you know my mother was consoling the officers who were up there <laughs> crying in the hallway thinking that that was it and she's like no nope, he's gonna be fine just you know don't, don't worry about it you, you one thing that is i i don't think that many men realize either that let's say allow themselves to be helped that paycheck so to speak for the other person giving the help is the gratitude. It, that's one thing I get from you. You know, just the hour that we've been here together is that it's easy for you to express gratitude for those helping you rather than the pool of self pity. I'm, you know, I, I am stubborn. I will, uh, I will try to get stuff done on my own, but when it comes time to ask for help, no problem. Just ask for help. You can't feel bad for yourself because that's, that doesn't get me anywhere. So, you know, I'll try. And if, can't find a way that works then you you go to the other alternative which is help and that's it's okay nothing wrong with that that's fantastic so the best part i don't know if you talked about the miracle of it because this is quite a miraculous story if you ask me i mean uh, i don't i'm looking back i don't know anyone who's been shot in the head and is recording a podcast 13 years later i mean it's a pretty pretty cool story that you've it's funny brad that you mentioned that do you remember in some of the projects you and I were in yeah. in the mid eighties. Uh-huh. I don't tell this to very many people. I walked around the wrong corner one evening Uh-oh. and a gun was to my head. What? Yes. you. I, I don't tell this one very, very often, but being a missionary, we get confused quite a bit for either a tax person, a tax collector or FBI cop or something. Yeah. Yes. And when, the, <laughs> when that dealer recognized I was, Neither of those. And I was just a missionary. That Glock went in the back of his pants fast and not a problem. And I walked around and I got home and not a big deal. And then I started sweating. I was like, that was close. Oh my gosh. That I was did close. not know no, that. No, I don't, I don't tell that. Definitely. I didn't tell that to my mom for 20 years because you don't write, you, you don't write home to your mom the day after and go, Hey mom, guess what? Guess what? Guess what almost happened? <laughs> so yeah, but That's you're right. right. I don't know very many people that you know, have those particular situations. I, 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 didn't, I didn't tell my mom about the first time I was shot at either. <laughs> Smart. So, yeah. 
I've told since told her the story uh, years later. So I guess there was more than more, that. But yeah, there was no. the, the, the second time was the time I was hit. Wow. So, yeah. Huh. So what is the miracle you bring? You talk about you're meeting your wife. Uh, my um, wife, we have such a wonderful relationship and we're, we, we've done a lot of traveling in the 10 years we've been together, gotten to see a lot of different places and experienced quite a few, uh, Quite a few things. Uh, we love going out for uh, for dinner, especially traveling. Lots of different cuisines. We've uh, ever soon feels like every time we go somewhere, as we stake out the best restaurant. And now every time we go back, hey, I know a place or so. Oh, you're going there? Hold on, I, I got a got a restaurant for you to go check out. That's cool. Yeah, very yeah. cool. And you you mentioned your grandfather. How yes. many children do you have? Uh, just the one. One a boy or a girl? A boy. One boy. Yeah, that's fantastic. If you could, you know, just kind of summarize all of the 13 years of ups and downs and pain and, you know, loss and victory and all the things that come with this experience, you know, to share with men around the world who are dealing with their own situations, maybe their own tragedy, maybe their own difficulty, maybe a physical limitation, something's changed their life. What would you share as just the the wisdom that you've learned since this thing happened no matter what you have going on no matter how bad it looks there's always something to find joy in and whatever that is for you find it embrace it and uh, continue to uh to go after that that's uh, that's awesome yeah it just seems like you've you've made the decisions to be grateful you've made the decision to look for the joy you talked about sharing in other people's joy instead of sitting home and self-pity you're looking for someone to go congratulate with their good news and be a part of their, the good things in their life. You're, you're choosing to be positive. Maybe it's not hard for you. Maybe, maybe that's how your mama raised you. I don't know, but it's a gift. It's a talent. Uh, always, always raised, you know, just keep your head down, work hard. So after the, this, I just work hard to, for towards my recovery. And then, you know, uh, Things are great, you know. I've got uh, I've got a little little niece that uh, that I, t- I talk to her every day. She's three. Talk to her every day on the phone, and you know, just just hearing her her voice and watching her get older and, and grow and develop, and just hearing how you know how curious she is about life and what there is. You know, I just can't help but you know stay stay positive because you know there's little ones out there that, you know, and then my grandson too, there's little ones out there that, that need that, uh, someone to, uh, to set an example for them on how to, how to deal with, uh, troubles in life. Cause fortunately this world, some point or another, you're going to run into some hard times and you're going to need to know how to, they're going to need to know how to get through that. It's a great motivation to be able to know that yeah, and there's no, I don't think there's a group of people that know how crappy the world is and how crappy humanity can be than police officers, having friends and relatives who've, who've been in that line and yet know that there's a good part out there as well that really is relying on that little bit of us that, that they can have. I, I tell you, there, there are some wonderful people out there. You know, unfortunately, those police officers, you, you tend to spend most of your, your day dealing with the you know, the, the rougher crowd with, there's a lot of, a lot of great people out there. I remember I was in the hospital one night and one of the officers who was assigned to, to my room that night came up and said, Hey, Sam, 
do you remember so-and-so? I go, name doesn't sound familiar. He goes, oh, she lives over here on this street. I go, oh, yeah? He goes, yeah, she said that you were at her house um, a few weeks ago. She said, you know, she appreciated you coming out, coming by, and she said you were real nice, you know, appreciated the interaction she had with you. And I'm like, wow, that's nice to, to be, you know, be remembered. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I know that guy. He looks familiar. I remember when he was at my house, it was a, it was a good interaction with him. You know, so there's a lot of... A lot of people out there are still grateful for what officers do on a daily basis. Right. Exactly. You're just such a great example of what it means to, in my opinion, be alpha and to live in that energy. So a couple of, a few weeks ago, I did a solo kind of rant uh, podcast where I talked about, you know, this isn't about the guy with the biggest muscles in the room or whatever, you know, alpha is not a comparison between other people. What I want it to be, what I want to focus on is that it is the excellence within the person. You know, when you're patrolling the streets and you got a gun and you got authority and you got all these things, that's pretty, that's pretty alpha. That's, you know, you're a hero in the community and whatever. Right now, you know, you've got, you've got one arm and one leg that you're, that's fully functional. You know, you've got some limitation and it's still alpha. You know, you're not going to win a foot race. You're not, you know, there's some things you're not going to be able to do, but at your capacity, you're killing it, man. You are totally living. Agreed. You're looking yeah, for joy. You're looking for gratitude. You're over here teaching people. You've spent time teaching in the academy, training the next round of officers. You're, you've maintained relationships. You've said nothing but positive about your wife ever. You're, you are choosing a good attitude. You're choosing good actions. And you have some incredible attributes that are just super alpha if you ask me well thank you. And, you know, exactly what you said alpha isn't about being the you know the biggest ripped muscular guy out there i mean i'm, I'm not a big guy by any means it's it's about uh just moving forward and you know whatever life throws at you you can't quit you just got to keep going going forward with things and that's that's what alpha is to me it's just continuously moving forward and whatever the world throws at you you just you deal with it and you, and you go on to the next thing and you deal with that are there things that you, I guess we'll wrap up here in a few, but a couple of questions. Are there things that you still want to work on, like to improve or things that, to pursue or that you want to? Yeah, the SAM goals. What are they? Yeah. I'm constantly, you know, pushing myself, you know, for whether it's, you know, just, all right, today, you know, going here, going there, let's walk a little further. Let's get my stamina up a little bit more. Let's, you know, go to the gym. I'm going to spend few extra minutes on doing this or doing that or just what about hobby kinds of things or uh you know things you want to conquer or master with your mind even i do do a lot of reading and i think that that's that's an important uh important thing is keep keeping your mind active i also uh, do a lot of writing too for a few uh for for an online for a website online so what's what's the topic you write about for the online website I uh, tend to uh, discuss a lot of uh, constitutional issues. Oh, okay. Interesting. And so is your reading preferences geared a little to that as well? Constitutional or governmental or it, it historical? What's your, what's your a lot, lot of historical uh, stuff, but it depends on my mood. Sometimes it's historical. Sometimes it's fiction. Other times it's, uh, you know, some older novels. Okay. I've read some of your writing. It's pretty freaking good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's seriously, it was, it's, it's, it's pretty high level stuff. I mean, it just seems like that's a profession 
lots of cool little nuance in it and things that were I thought were very well done. Have you always liked to write, or has this been something since the incident you've picked this, up? This is something I've uh, picked up uh, more recently. I was actually just discussing this with a uh, buddy of mine, you know, in the, this morning when we were driving home from the range. I said, you know, sometimes when you're when you're struggling, you know, having a hobby or something to do is important to keep busy, but you know, you got to pick something new, something that you're not, that's not just the usual everyday fare that you've, it's just more repetition, something that's going to challenge your brain and something that's uh, to keep, to keep you active. That's cool. That's very cool. So what would you say is the most alpha part of you? What is your most important talent gift, you know, superpower strength? I'd say just, you know, the being stubborn, not quitting. You just got to keep moving forward. That's, I think that that's my 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 strength. Stubbornly and, consistent, yeah, yeah. Endurance. That's another one of our things. You know that you your mind is right. You know you've got some goals. You you can adjust things in your path. You you're pretty patient, persistent. You accept support, and you 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 know you accept your limitations as well. You you know when to say when. Yeah, but I'm. Um push myself. I was just having a conversation with another buddy the other day and I'm going to make it back to the golf course with him uh, sometime nice. soon and go, go golfing again soon. So. We, w- Brad and I need to be there. Can we, we please go? Yes. We we need, we'll, yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll, even if it's not to that day with your friends, we'll do our own. We can do even it. Yeah. On the driving range, even if it's just that. Absolutely. It's uh, it's not pretty, but it, it gets the job done. And that'll make me feel good. I mean, I'm terrible anyway, but uh you know, if, I, if I'm the only one here with both working hands, so I I just look up to these guys so much for their attitude. They, I've never heard one single thing from either of these guys, and I've known you longer, Mike, but just you've taken it, you've accepted long ago that part of your life too with your, I'm talking about your hand, yeah. and it's just, it's I've never seen it. Maybe there's something there at times, but I've never seen you be a sit on the pity pot over that. And for sure you're, you know, you're, you're walking around and you have mobility, but you're doing whatever you can. That's the coolest thing ever. So I'll, I'll play some golf with you guys. Yeah. That'd be great. Sounds good. Sam, man, appreciate you being here. This has just been a highlight kind of thing for me. You've, you've helped us level up. You've taught me some things about, you know, just attitude and how if I, I think my takeaway from today is, Go looking for things to feel joy about. Go looking for it. Go find it in other people. Go celebrate in their joys. And uh, that's crazy to think that, you know, you were shot by a freaking thug and you got no hatred. There's there's none of that there. What what good is that going to do anybody? Negativity is a cancer. Gotta stay positive. Sure is. Negativity will literally eat you alive. You guys were trying to highlight men who seem to have something figured out about how to live and how to be happy and how to maintain your own power and energy and control over your life. So much of it is attitude. And as you've seen with this guest and so many, the way that you believe about yourself and about other people and about the world, that's going to determine a lot about the experience that you have. And so Sam, just really appreciate you being here, brother. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Great to best meet you, of, Sam. Best yeah. of luck in your writing. And if you ever have any of that stuff you want to share, feel free to send it my way. And uh, I'd love to, I'd love to see whatever you write about. 
Absolutely. Tell, well, tell us again, uh, how, how do we find the website where we can see your writing? Which, how do they, how do uh, listeners find it? It's uh, AmericanThinker.com. AmericanThinker.com. Samuel Anthony. Yeah, you just look under the, the archives portion of it and you just search for Samuel Anthony and you'll have a link to all my articles there. Great. You mind if we put a link to it on, on our uh, sure. show notes and stuff like Absolutely, that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, now just to warn anybody, I th- you, you may be coming at this with a little bit of a conservative slant on that or whatever, but it's just, just, just a little bit, you know, it, but it's thought provoking. It's nothing, it's nothing radical. Uh, nothing radical. I'm, I'm very much a, uh, you know, moderate, you know, not one side of the, uh, the aisle or the other. I, well, I think both sides have a lot to, uh, a lot to answer for, for yeah. what, for the state of the country. And it's, it, it's more about everyone waking up and realizing that, you know, our elected officials don't always have our best interests at heart, and you have to be smart about who you who you choose, and just keep that in mind that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Oh, you're part of that new political group, the Sensibilarians. <laughs> yes, Sensibilarians. Yes. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I read that, and it's it's very rationally written. If anybody's interested, don't think it's going to be some kind of hate mail for one or the other kind of thinking. I know it's not, but. Anyway, thank you again, Sam. Really if anybody does you. hate my writing, you can uh, email me at file that in the circular bin at <laughs> <com>. ok.com. <laughs> Sam, it's been great to meet you. Thank you. Very nice to meet you. Well, maybe we'll have to have you back sometime for another topic or we'll pick your brain well, on since, some. Since some my face hasn't there. been uh, been shown here on the podcast, you hey, definitely well, won't won't have any uh, listeners uh, drop off. So we got to get your picture though. We got we have to have the cover photo. I, I was thinking of that. You've had how many guests now? We need to start at like a Polaroid wall. Yeah, seriously. Your yeah, or well, on the website or somewhere where it's yeah. just like that's cool. Right. Yeah. Very All right, cool. you guys. Well, thank you again. Until next time. No excuses. Alpha. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum. Well done.